Hey everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Big Monday Show. We are coming to you tonight live from the Pomp, Pompano Park, where it's a bit chilly, at least by South Florida standards. We're in the uh, lower 60s and upper 50s, which makes people freak. Anyways, we got a lot to talk about, and the sniper will be with us uh, right after the first break. See you guys in a second. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. Uh, they have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees. Your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the Freshman Stallion of the Year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made it 3 for 3, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at P-A-S Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out. Hello, Sniper. What's up? Well, we're doing a cold weather show tonight. Man, you're crazy. I can't do it. The heat's on in my house, man. It's, uh, it's a little chilly here at the pump. Brisk is the is a better <laughs> better word for it. Temperatures are gonna plunge into the low or the uh, the low sixties, <laughs> upper fifties. Here we have uh, section one hundred six is entirely ours, uh, as is uh, section one hundred seven and uh, most of section one hundred five. Anything in the hundreds. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not looking at a uh, a huge crowd tonight. The pump, a lot of a lot of probably a huge crowd at the um, watching at home, considering that most everywhere else canceled because of the weather. We're all sending it in from other places. Yeah, you know when Mohawk in Canada cancels, they they must be bad because man, I've seen I've seen them running blizzards before, so so it's got to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's been quite a night for Mister Ricky McCumber here, Pompano, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that because I don't want to slander anyone right at the beginning of the show. Um, so see we were at. Uh... <laughs> we'll see how my pick four ends up. We'll see. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, big night at the pump. They got uh, thirteen races, two pick fours, two pick fives. That's uh... I know. The, the... I Gabe went to Twitter for that one. Yeah, low takeout, giving the people what they want. Unlike yes. unlike Santa Anita, which gave them five horse fields. 
and what my dad called the um, the worst graded stakes ever. And he might not be that far off. <clears throat> that was, that was a great, right? The Aster Stakes at Santa Anita today was not a good stake race. It was actually a race where the favorite, um, Leonard Powell, uh, trained uh, Philly was, a, you know, she's a legit stake horse. And she was the only one in the five-horse field that was actually a legit stake horse. And she got kind of an eventful chip. She won anyways just because she's better than them. But, um, yeah, that was not a good field. And uh, there was it was kind of a uh, kind of a weak card, especially for a holiday. And I understand that, you know, we're dealing with a uh, – Southern California is kind of on an island a little bit. That's Gabe Pruitt in the background. Hmm. If, if you're uh, if you're hearing him announcing this uh, stellar group of trotters here, getting ready for the uh, sixth. But um, you know they're they're out in an island a little bit, and they just it's hard to draw horses. They have what they have, and it's not that many. And it's just kind of a sign of the times that uh, tracks are just not really able to fill races and part of it is is the horse population has just been diminished and part of it is that um there's kind of an equitable inequitable distribution of talent on the backside and uh, the third part is that the condition books and the the way we classify horses has not changed and it's uh it's very racing-ish to um to know that there's a problem. I mean, everyone's pretty well uh, aware. They're cognizant that the, we're having 18 and 19,000 foals born a year. And uh, a decade ago, it was 35,000. So <laughs> clearly um, that, that math is pretty simple, but um, outside of shaving some, some, you know, pairing back some, uh, some days here and there and, and, and going to, uh, some cases eight race cards instead of nine or ten really nothing has been been changed i mean what do you think uh, I, I mean what do you, what's your view from a guy that's not really enthralled with betting five horse races it's tough it's a tough product to to take when you don't have big fields it's very very difficult and honestly, it doesn't have to be big fields in every race. But, you know, I, I don't believe that, you know, a 10-horse field should be as difficult to have as it seems it has been over the last, let's say, five years. It's hard to get a 10-horse field in some places. And California is definitely one of them. I mean, I can't even remember. I, I, we'd have to go back to like the summertime to see a bunch of uh, a card with, you know, more than half the races had 10 runners in it. Right. From these days. Especially in Southern California, where uh, I mean, there are there are legitimate reasons it's expensive to train horses in California. Therefore, if you have horses on the lower end of the spectrum, then it's difficult to justify spending 
what you would have to pay on the East Coast to train a stake horse uh, or, a, you know, being with a, a big outfit. Even the smaller outfits have to charge a lot just because the, the cost of doing business there is so great. And that's a legitimate issue that's not easily solved. But um, by the same token, nothing has really been been you know, there's been no programs right. that have been taken out by by racetracks, especially, uh, it, or you know, even in conjunction with the horsemen, conjunction with the breeders, conjunction with the sales companies, or the NTRA, or the um, jockey club, or any of the big organizations. It's almost like we're saying, "Well, hey, you know, the full crop is what it is," and I, I just I find it fascinating and a little bit disturbing that. No one's saying, hey, let's try to promote ownership. Right. That's people to buy horses. And, and we're not talking about my racehorse. That's not ownership. That's just people that own, that, that taking 15, you know, a bunch of little people taking 15% of a horse that's already in existence. It's already owned by a big outfit that's already with a big with trainer. So that's not really moving the needle at all. I'm talking about actual legitimate owners who would be. Uh, probably a, a lot of people would be would be happy to know about the tax advantages that exist. And uh, uh, my guy Steve Zorn like goes nuts because he's an anarchist, and then you know he, he can <laughs> it drives him nuts that you know in his idea and his, his view the taxpayers are funding these stables. But the the truth is that there are tremendous tax advantages for wealthy people, and it's something that is is you know, out there that really doesn't promote it enough. And I think that's the thing in, in that that's a big advantage. I mean, wealthy people in tax breaks are like, you know, <laughs> those are like magnets to each other. So it just is not really something that we, we are stressing enough because I mean, <sighs> It's not easy these days to own horses. You know, there's a lot of negative connotations. There's a lot of animal rights pressure. There's a, a lot of uh, negativity. And it's difficult to own. I mean, it's always been difficult owning horses because a million things can go wrong with a horse and, and one thing can go right, right? That's, that's your horse is a good horse and he wins races. Everything else is bad. <laughs> so it's already a stacked deck, but it's a lot more interesting investment than... Um, you know, <laughs> buying a, a warehouse in uh, Escondida, you know what I mean? It's it's just um, uh, I just it, it and it's not even that I don't know. It just there's no 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 one even talks about it, which like <laughs> that's the thing that really gets me. Nobody says anything about it, you know. Yeah. It, it's like you know they they figure it out afterwards, maybe, but. Like you said, it seems logical for that to be a selling point. But the thing, you know, you know, going back a little bit to the to the California racing, it's like, you know, they're not giving themselves a, a chance. You know, they haven't changed anything like you were saying. They haven't really found another way to kind of get things going, get the ball rolling is just kind of everybody sitting on their hands and be like, Oh, well, this is what we got to deal with. So, you know, and, and 
the fear is that they're going to sit in their hands too long and really viral. The, you know, Hold on. Can, can you hear me? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Just, just repeat what you said the last 20 seconds because it kind of broke up a little bit. Well, they, you know, sitting on their hands too long may effectively put the put California racing out of business. And it's like they're just sitting there waiting for something to happen, but in actuality, they need to be proactive instead of reactive. Correct. And I'm sure there's people out there right now that are saying, well, what about the purse incentives? You know, they've they've created the the ship and you know ship and win, and which are great, but that's just shuffling the deck. I mean, that's not creating new horses that that are new owners. That's just existing horses and existing owners sh- shifting horses to California from other places specifically for that purse incentive, um, which is good and it, it's a good idea. I, I get it. Like it's business, right? And they're out there on an island and. They have to essentially bribe people to send horses there by giving them bonuses. Uh, that's that's you know that that's actually a, a, a strategic move that seems to certainly have paid off at Delmar. Um, and Delmar started that quite a long time ago. It's not a, it's not a new thing. No, that's not new. <laughs> but it, it's not the same as what we're talking about in in getting new people involved and in getting new horses created because. A horse shortage isn't because horses have, like, you know, stopped breeding themselves. The horse shortage is because of of a, of a, of a drop in demand. The supply doesn't need to be uh, as big as it isn't there. And the demand at the top is still there. I mean, you watch the sales and you see horses sell for ungodly amounts of money. And it's, it's a lot of uh, tail wagging the dogs. But Still, it's it's just to me, it's puzzling that that racing hasn't said, "Hey, our supply of horses is down. How do we fix that problem?" Instead of just saying, "Oh, well, I guess you know, like the racetrack say, well, it's not our problem. No, it's not your problem, but you need that that free supply of product to 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 run races, and the fewer there are, the 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 worse your product gets, which means it's tougher to." Um, you know, get the proper handle on those races and, and the tracks like in California, uh, like in Southern, uh, Southern Florida or, or Florida it, it, entirely, they don't have the advantage of getting a tremendous amount of slot money. Florida now is going to get no slot money. Tampa never had any. Um, California doesn't have any. So they are completely dependent on handle. And that's the, the thing that, um, you know, this business has really done poorly with is just trying to, to make the on-track product better. And it's, um, you know, we talk about takeout. We talked about takeout last week and about 16 million other times. Um, there was a really good uh, story about um, breakage. And there's a uh, Kentucky politician that is a horse player. And his... Um, He's, he's put forth legislation to take breakage, which is ending uh, down of payoffs because the payoffs and, and they're saved, you know, 210, 220, 230, 240, 250. 
the you in between and uh, if 215 becomes 210 uh 219 becomes 210 and <clears throat> uh pat cummings did a last year and it's something that honestly we we've kind of i i because we haven't talked oh forever but is based Buyers, and the reason breakage started was because ninety nine percent of the the money and and some places a hundred and um, was coming on track was an on and if the horse forty three to win, then they didn't want people dealing with pennies and and carving them, which understandable. Um, but this is completely different. And the vast majority of people are betting through accounts and they're not betting on the back. And if your horse pays um, legitimately, the odds are the horse pays $8.94. You shouldn't be getting eight eighty back or eight ninety back. You should be getting exactly back what you, you should have gotten. And it's not a huge amount of money on a personal level for for someone, right? But overall, the, the the net effect is that it's about fifty million dollars that goes back to horse players. And let's face it, horse players are going to put it back in. 95 percent of that money will probably get get you know, get rolled back in, turned in. Yeah, right. So the idea is that they're going to have penny breakage, which uh, in Kentucky and their support, uh, Damon Thayer is going to support it in the Senate. Um, so. It sounds like they have a lot of support, and it'd be interesting to see how many other states uh, go forward with that. Um, I don't know uh, why they all wouldn't, other than you know, some states it's a lot harder to get to get things done than than others. But um, but the truth of the matter is, in in this day and age, there shouldn't be breakage anymore. You should get paid what your your bet comes in. If you make a sports wager and and uh, you 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 cash out for fifty dollars and ninety six cents, you get fifty dollars and ninety six cents. So, yeah, that that one kind of falls, you know, kind of on the back burner because people just forget about it. You know, I mean, well, we yeah. don't realize what it really pays. I mean, right? You know, exactly. So you don't realize until you read the racing form. The states that do do the ten cent breakage are twenty cents. <clears throat> like when you know, if you if you get eight ninety nine, you get eight eighty. That's nineteen cents. That's a lot, right? And and, and I guess the, you know the further down the ladder, um, if if you're supposed to get uh, uh, two nine, you know two ninety seven, and and you get two eighty, that that's a pretty <laughs> Pretty yeah. good percentage of of the bet that gets taken out, and and uh, like ITP was was uh, commenting on how essentially it's um, an additional part of takeout. Right, it's like yeah. a tax. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a it's it's a great you know thing to see, and um, really, I, I wish. I mean, I just hadn't. It's just not something that comes up on your radar very often, right? Because people don't complain about it. People don't talk right. about it very often. Because people are so used to seeing it the way it is that it's kind of forgotten in a sense. Right. Just, uh. And then you're right. like, 
Shit, breakage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you get kind of riled up after you're like, yeah, they shouldn't be taking that. But it's good no. that somebody's doing something. But it it, it seems at least <clears throat> the only people that would care about it are the people in Kentucky, and that's probably why this is kind of being promoted there. You know, um, not saying it's not important to horse players in general, but it seems like it might get more awareness in a place like Kentucky than it would here in, let's say, Florida. It's a lot easier, it seems, to get racing legislation. Yeah. Um, uh, kinder. Some attention in, in Kentucky than, than, it, than it is uh, most everywhere else, where we often wind up just not being important enough. Um, or any- we wind up attached to some other sort of bill that, that uh, gets you know, gets tabled or, I mean, that's how HISA got passed um, in the federal level, but because it was attached to the, the spending bill. So, um, so that's, uh, it's, it's, you know, potentially good news. And I mean, it certainly is, if it gets passed and one state does it, and hopefully there, there can be pressure to, to get, uh, to get other states to do it. So, Hey, look, Kentucky did it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, and and really the only person, all person, is the only organizations that it costs are the bet takers, and they don't really have any right to that money, anyways. I mean, they really don't. Um, you know, there was something, and this is kind of one of those unseen issues as well, was that um, uncashed paramutual tickets used to fund a lot of social programs on the backside, and and certain states and, and certain racetracks where they would take money that when people just didn't cash through a winner out or just, you know, didn't realize they, they won or, or they stuck in their pocket and never went back to the track or whatever. It used to be a a pretty decent sum of money and it used to fund, um, you know, some backstretch initiatives and, uh, some, some charity stuff, but, uh, that those pools kind of disappeared because people bet through accounts. You don't throw your accounts tickets away. So, um, there's actually been a need for funding for for a lot of those, a lot of those things. And most all of it is, is gotten taken care of at this point. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't even realize where the money, when you make a bet, it, it actually goes. Um, but uh, the breakage is, is something that, uh, it's a, it's a beneficial thing. And, uh, I mean, Steve Chris talked about this years ago. Um, so, so that's a good thing. Yes. There was some, uh, New York was in the news last week with uh, some interesting news about um, hmm. the first uh, news that was was talked about at their you know, oversight. I guess they have an oversight uh, committee that, that Naira has to go in front of in order to get uh, things approved. And they are going to not run the Belmont fall meet, the fall championship meet um, next year, because next season they're going to be doing a tunnel project to have a tunnel that, that goes underneath the courses uh, to the infield. And I guess they're going to develop the infield because when they, the Islanders built the arena, they kind of took the vast majority of the backs side um you know out around the paddock 
is gone. So I guess they're going to try to replicate something out there and, and maybe have some events and or, or something out there. I mean, Belmont's Belmont's a huge, huge track. Um, the mile and a half circumference is it's just uh, if you've never been there, you just can't imagine how how big it is, how small the horses look on the backside. Oh man, it's um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you can't see anything. You really can't. You need binoculars for sure. No, if you go to a normal track, if you're used to a normal track, a mile track, or even a mile and an eighth track, um, like at Saratoga, you, when you when you first see Belmont Park, you're like, wow, <laughs> the horses seem like they're a million miles away. Um, but uh, yeah, that so so the Belmont Fall Championship meet is not going to be run, and I was actually doing a a, a little piece about uh, the Breeders' Cup and how the Breeders' Cup. Um, was actually one of the most forward-thinking um, ideas that racing's had over the last uh, 40 or so years. Um, but it's, it's changed racing in a way that um, I'm sure at the time no one really had anticipated. And, and I'm not making a, a statement of uh, good or bad here. This is just, um, it is what it is. Uh, but you know the ball the, the Belmont Fall Championship meet used to be the premier meet in the fall um it was a much bigger meet the Kentucky wasn't nearly as strong as it is now racing at Keeneland and, and Churchill in the fall weren't uh, uh weren't like they weren't, weren't it wasn't like it is now um not by any means and California of course had had always had a you know strong racing in the fall as well but but the the fall championship meet at Belmont and all those iconic stake races, the, the Marlboro Cup, the Jockey Club Gold Cup, the Woodward, the the Frisette, the Futurity, the Champagne, the Turf Classic, um, uh, the, the, the Ruffian, the Vosburg, uh, you know, all those races were huge contributors to the year-end awards, um, the Eclipse Awards. And, you know, that was kind of where where champions were crowned, um, you know, when you had a, a tight division, uh, a win in one of those big races at Belmont Park was usually the determining factor. Um, and to see now where so many of those races, the Futurity is a turf race. Um, <laughs> the Turf Classic is run at Saratoga. The Woodward, well, the Jockey Club is run at Saratoga now. The Woodward was run at Saratoga, but uh, Marlboro Cup doesn't exist. The Vosburgh's a grade two, um, going three quarters. Uh, it's just changed the face of racing and, and uh, how horses were campaigned. And, you know, the Breeders' Cup, of course, has done a, a tremendous job of uh, becoming a, kind of a championship event. I mean, it's not a championship event. You, you know, Aloha West is not going to be Eclipse Sprinter, most likely, at least based upon most of the people I've seen voting this year because he won that race. Um, but um, not that we, we wouldn't like to see the Catman win it, but uh, it's not a championship event. It, it, it's, it's a kind of a culmination of a year, right? It's the races that everyone points for, but winning it doesn't really guarantee you anything unless you were already poised to be the champion in that division and 
you know, back then in the old the old days, yes, Belmont it didn't it didn't guarantee you if you won the Jockey Cup Gold Cup that you were going to be older horse, uh, you're going to be horse of the year, or you're going to be older handicap horse. But if you won a couple of those races, <laughs> it was pretty difficult to deny you unless someone had just won everything earlier in the year. But um, it really has it, it's really changed the face of of, of American racing and how people um how people have campaigned horses changed i think bobby frankel was a really big factor in that and and i think that i mean he was a great trainer this is one of the best trainers i ever saw but i think one of the negative um things that that he left behind was uh, he was very very successful at giving horses layoffs in between races and campaigning them um, you know, lightly. And it worked very, very well for him. He had some great years, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. I mean, he, he just dominated. Uh, and he didn't have a huge barn. It wasn't like he had 300 horses. But um, that people copycat, of course. And I think that is now you know, something that you see more than ever is people don't campaign horses in the same manner as they used to. I mean, th listen, it's not just Bobby Frankel. It's not just the Breeders' Cup. Uh, things evolve, but, um, but it's just, uh, it's just kind of interesting to see that, uh, and, and, you know, you try to think back of, of how we all looked at things in 1984. I mean, the, the, Breeders' Cup turf, the first Breeders' Cup turf, every horse had run within three weeks of that race, every <laughs> single horse in the field, and half of them had run in Europe and were shipping over. So it was, you know, most of them had just run. <laughs> yeah, well, you think, think that, that would be the norm. Like that, and, you think, and now none of them, none of them would well, run within. I, I mean, you look at the Derby, you see horses that, <laughs> like, <laughs> train up to the to the Kentucky Derby now so I mean, which is which is still a monumentally bad idea it doesn't right. work you're not going to do it but it's just not going to happen <laughs> they still do it but it's, it's still not going to work and someone this, this year will probably try to do it though, though this year is really I was looking at the I, today's uh, <laughs> you know today they put out the um, Ron Flatter posted the uh, Derby futures from Circa and uh, other yeah, who was it? MGM, I think. MGM, or, uh, was it MGM? yeah, it was MGM. And I mean, I'm going through it and I'm thinking to myself, I, I, who do I really like? You know, who I like best still Echo Zulu. Echo I think Zulu. she's better than everybody. <laughs> That's who I would bet if, if, if I knew they'd run her, but um. It's just a really a scramble this year. Yeah, there's nobody, no standouts, no nothing really going on right now. No, and the Baffert issue, of course, is going to loom large. But I, I like, I felt like you. I, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of Corniche. I just, I think he's a good horse, but he's all right. He, he just looks to me like, like I think he was like listed six to one. I think I wouldn't I take feeling. About I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd take him at sixteen to one at this point right now. Oh, he'd be tough because 
it just doesn't seem like he has the upside of other Baffert horses that we you know what I mean? It just not that he's feeling, but I, I just don't. He just does, he's just not explosive, I guess. Maybe that's the problem. Is he, he has like a grinding kind of style, and he, he's not real flashy as far as times. You know, he's no. but he's he was just better than everybody else. And usually with his be a lot more flash, a lot more speed, a lot more you know. Him is kind of, well, he's all right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's a good horse. He's he's going to be two-year-old champion, and you know it is what it is. The you know the Baffert factor, but um, yeah, I just don't have any confidence that he's going to go on and, and improve because to win the Derby, you have to be an improving three-year-old. It, it just is that it's just true. You have to be a horse that still has some improvement in you and. You can't maintain your form from now. Um, like you, you very rarely. I can't even think of a horse that was running the, the the requisite numbers in early January and was running those same numbers in uh, on the first Saturday in May and was able to win. Only only one I can remember kind of like that was Street Sense. Any kind of a typical kind of a circular route to the derby yeah you wound up on the poly track and but um yeah it's even so i think i'm sure i'm almost positive he ran a much better number in the derby than he had he had been running so yeah no you just... still have to have some improvement in you i guess that that's probably the better way of putting it like you have to you have to hit the first saturday in may and and obviously you're gonna almost always run the your best race of your life um, it just isn't a race that you see horses not run the best race of their life and win. Right. I mean, you have all some horses run really big, run the best race of their life and finish fifth. Right. But um, I can tell you right now, uh, I'm I'm going to fade Corniche <laughs> in the near future until he shows me, you know, that he can run faster. I, just, I, mean, I think a lot of people are Barry. I, I don't see a lot of love for that horse, and I don't think it's all attached to his trainer. I, I just think people are a little bit skeptical of the the juvenile coming out of it, and I think people are a little skeptical that uh, he's really going to be a horse that just keeps on keeping on. I mean, Baffert may have have three or four horses in his barn that are as talented. Uh, you know that have that have just recently run that have broke their maidens and looked real good doing you know, it. So. One that I like, <laughs> the giant Wharton. Wharton is gigantic. I, I, I think that horse is a straight up beast. But he's the Yao Ming of Derby horses. Yes. Anyways, let's let's take a break, and I'm going to uh, see if I can't work on your microphone, which is not working very well. Mike, check. all right. We'll uh, we'll take a break and be back. Hey guys, I wanted to make you aware of a new company that's out there making some really cool apparel and other swag. Fan Tack www dot Tech, T-A-C-K dot com. Check it out. 
They've created a bunch of logos and stuff for uh, an expanding list of jockeys. And they also are doing some going in circles swag. So if you want any uh, t-shirts or hats, hoodies, and cell phone covers, check it out. Fantac, F-A-N-T-A-C-K. All right, we're back. Hey, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Of course, you're I'm back, back and better than ever. And actually, you sound uh, much better. We had to do. I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, Joe Jan- Joe Sanzeri just just uh, lit up the board here. At Pompano. Blew up the tote board over at that, the pump. That might have been uh, affecting the uh, the auto the audio waves. It's Joe's. Uh, Joe's wins always kind of uh, come as a surprise. I think to him in- included. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really nice guy. But you don't want to take him less than 21. Um, going back to the Derby, uh, I think it seemed as though most people were thinking that Jack Christopher was the most talented two-year-old cult that we saw last year. But um, he just returned to Chad Brown's barn, and it would be a real, real long shot that for him to make the Derby. I mean, he would possibly get one prep, possibly. And if you consider he's never run in a two-turn race before, he hasn't run since uh, October, and it, it would be asking a lot of them just to run in in. Um, you know, the bluegrass or the, the wood or the Arkansas Derby, uh, which would be now all five weeks out before the Derby. You know, with Arkansas having moved their race uh, back. So uh, it, it just doesn't, it just seems like a real long shot to, that he's going to even make the gate. Maybe he'll be back later for uh, <clears throat> the second half of the year. But, you know, Chad Brown isn't exactly a guy that's, that's, that's going to, squeeze on a horse real fast coming back either so and he's coming back off of a, a minor surgery but surgery nonetheless so uh oops just dropped the old ipad <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yes sir uh gabe has not given us studio quality um surroundings here of course you know saying that gabe up on a condemned building calling the races so you take your life in your hands every time you go in that elevator Oof. but um yeah i think it's a it's it's kind of a, a real crapshoot this year and, and these early preps might be more important than than usual in in identifying um kind of late later developing horses that you know might might be the ones and I mean, I don't even want to talk about the Baffert situation this week because there's really nothing has changed since last week, and you know, it's it's going to be decided in a not on the racetrack, not at a racetrack. It's going to be decided in a courtroom. So, yay, we have a lot to look forward to. <laughs> but I think we got sidetracked off of Saratoga. Saratoga is um, has another uh, not in Saratoga, but New York. Um, so we were talking about 
uh, the Belmont Championship beat me being run at, at, at Aqueduct, and I think there's going to be some some stakes uh, that are moved around a little bit because of maybe the circumference of Aqueduct doesn't doesn't match up nicely with Belmont, and it, this isn't uh, something that hasn't happened before uh, in history. I mean, there there was a lot of occasions where races were run at Aqueduct that uh, because you know for whatever reason Belmont wasn't open. But um, but the second thing was was the Saratoga issue, and that that is kind of out of the blue. <laughs> the decision to 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 bring back the Wilson shoot, which hasn't been used well, it hasn't been used since 1972, and the the biggest reason it hasn't been used since 1972 is it doesn't exist anymore. They're gonna actually have to build it, um, and if I, I know most people aren't really. That familiar with the circumference, uh, the sky view of Turfway Park, but it's similar to Turfway Park's shoot, which was supposedly modeled after the Wilson shoot. But essentially, the Ellis if, Park, right? Yeah, Ellis Park. Yeah, it, it's it's like a. I don't even describe it. If you were standing at the rail, looking at the track, that that part of the shoot past the Farnell turn the, the horses take off in a straight line um and then kind of hard left you're right, dog leg onto the onto the main course and go across the track and hit the backside now they had something that in 1992 was was more of a cutout of the outside of the track the outside fence they kind of adjusted a little bit so that you could put a starting gate back there. And I believe they, they didn't use, I think they used a, a modified starting gate of some sort. I, I don't really recall. To be honest. I thought but, they used a modified starting gate. It was shorter. It was, and it, they could only have so many horses. Yeah. I think, but, I think like eight or 10 was the most, I think 10 was the most or nine, something like that. But they ran 25 races in the 1992 season. And, T.D. Thornton did a, a pretty good piece today on the history of the Wilson shoot way back from the, the 1900s and a lot of interesting stuff. Um, and he kind of broke down the numbers from 1992. And he is correct in saying that a, a variety of styles won that 25 race. Um, it's it, 25, uh, you know, one for that 25 races the it, it was pretty close to an equal number of horses on the lead or versus horses that came from way back a lot of stalkers i mean it, that was a relatively uh, diverse way of winning i mean there, there seemed to be quite a few different ways it wasn't all speed it wasn't dead you know speed was dead but he makes kind of a comment after looking over the numbers about the post positions and i i can't agree at all with him on that in that he gives the numbers and assuming that the field size was about seven and a half and and i didn't actually go back to 1992 and and look at that up today i i probably could do that tomorrow but post one two three and four won 88 percent of the races <laughs> so if you're assuming about seven and a half you know average horse um, 
and I know a half, right? You can't you, you can't be in a half of, of you're the seven or you're the eight, right? There's no seven half, but you know, for argument's sake, uh, that's about fifty-seven percent of the starters, but they won eighty-eight percent of the races. So to me, if you're out, if you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, or, or further out, screwed. They only won three out of twenty-five, and yes, twenty-five is a small sample size, but there was a pretty. I remember the sentiment was pretty much like, "Hey, you if got you no- don't draw inside, you should just scratch," and that's at a time when guys didn't scratch, not like they do today, where people will scratch because uh, they don't like a post position in a maiden race <laughs> or an allowance race. It used to be maybe in a big stake you would, you know, you had post 14, you might you might come out, but guys, guys ran back then. And these days, if that same bias kind of rears its head. So I got to get a four horse race. <laughs> on the dirt, you're already looking at, at relatively small fields compared to turf racing. So it'll be interesting. I'm not, I'm not anti doing it. it. It's innovative. It's maybe, you know, a little unnecessary. I mean, I, does it really need, to, you know, was that really something that people were calling for? I, I don't know because I don't know anyone that was calling for it. I didn't know anyone that, that thought that it was actually a possibility, but it'll be interesting to see. It's kind of a new wrinkle. And I just hope that they don't just start using that race again and again and again and again. And, and, I, and I'm going to give you an example. Gulfstream has destroyed the two turn races and mostly because they put the mile shoot in and that is uh, the mile shoot has the majority of the races over seven furlongs. So the most of them are go, go to a mile outside of stake races and the, you know, the odd bottom level climber that, that might use, you know, a two turn race. They just don't have them anymore. And it, and it's, it, it's not great. It's not great for the product. And I'm afraid that's going to happen to Saratoga that the mile and an ice races won't be used and they'll just keep using the mile races over and over and over again. Um, and it'll take a little time for the jockeys to figure out how best to ride it. I mean, none of them have really, I mean, uh, well, none of them were around in 1972, that's for sure. But uh, it, it'll be kind of a learning curve for them as well. So, um, you know, maybe there's there'll be betting opportunities early if you can figure out before everyone else figures it out. But it's going to have a lot of attention. So, so what do you? I mean, like, what what are your feelings about having a a, a mile shoot that potentially may be, you know, wildly biased towards inside? inside posts yeah that's not good uh, on any level because you know it, it's just gonna <laughs> make for some uninteresting results you know i, I guess in, in case you get like a horse that you know let's say from post eight at a billion to one kind of gets third or or kind of runs up second but they're probably not gonna win it's a, it, i remember way back when they had it they did it for that one year in the 90s uh, it w- it was 
widely known and and pretty much a done deal that if you were outside you weren't gonna win you might grab a piece but you weren't winning um so i mean i i do like the idea because it is something different and they're trying to shake things up which i appreciate but maybe this one wasn't the one you know um but we'll see. I mean, you know, you know, only one way to find out is is if they actually do it. And when it when it comes into fruition and and you see races run on it, I think it's going to be a different kind of thing because you know the jockey colony is different, pride a little bit different than they did back then. So maybe some things will will shake out. But I'm I'm definitely curious to see. I, like you know, I'm in the same camp as you. So I'm not against it by any means. But you know. It's just got to it when you know, kind of evaluate it as it goes. But I, I'm not opposed to them doing something, especially in Saratoga, where there's a lot of tradition and that, and they're usually not so willing to to kind of go out and do something different. I, I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. I just hope that they don't overdo it. Right, it isn't moderation, just like anything else. Can't. Yeah. Too much can't do too little just somewhere in between i don't want to like you know like the, 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 the gulf and tapita where they're running it you know four or five times a day i don't want to see four or five miles on, on a card or three even maybe one or two if yeah you know, and maybe one a day who knows but just don't kill us with it Gone. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. So, so those are those are kind of interesting changes that uh, I didn't. I don't think anyone. No, that was a bombshell, man. Anyone I, that didn't work for in in the building at Naira really was expecting that. So, um, it's nice to have a have a bombshell kind of drop that's not uh, you know, like super negative. <laughs> Usually, it's, it's it's a bad thing. Yeah, it piqued my interest. You know, I'm I'm very interested. I I remember before, and it wasn't, it didn't make for bad racing or anything like that. It was just, you know, kind of predictable because you you knew one of the first four posts would win. So right. things have changed and progressed since then. You know, riding wise, style wise, you know, what have you. It might make for some interesting racing. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, the other news is Joe Sharp had a bunch of drug positives drop because of the ineptness of the Kentucky Racing Commission that either didn't know its own rules or I'm not exactly sure what's what happened there other than somebody dropped the ball somewhere uh, the, the entire episode doesn't give you a warm and fuzzy feeling about the Kentucky Racing Commission and what's going on there right now when you add on the fact that uh, you know the the horse who won the Kentucky Derby got a positive, and it's been tested a few times and come back positive every time, and we're heading here into February, and they still haven't called a hearing that uh, we have on pretty affirmative uh, sources that uh, uh, a horse in a state got a positive at Keeneland, that nothing's happened, and now they're dropping cases um, because they apparently didn't know their own rules, which is not um, 
if someone has something else uh, on this that that uh, a little more insight, I'd love to hear it. But it just seems like a giant mess there, and I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough to it's tough to keep your faith when when they keep having these uh, issues. Jamologist is racing now. I know. That's our guy. Yeah, he's doing double duty. <laughs> Stud action and he, he trots at the pump on, on the <laughs> on the dark days. A lot of trotters tonight. Uh, seven sots of bourbon is off stride. Jamologist gave up the lead. You don't like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Jamologist is going to have to race out of the pocket today. I wonder how the, the handle is tonight. With all the other tracks being being off, cancels. You got to be up. Right? I think they would do good. It's a pretty good card, too. Yes, Jamologist is still second. Actually, Actually, it looks beaten here. I can tell you that my hands are officially cold. I was going to say, man, you got to be chilly up here, bro. I got my Denver Nuggets jacket out. Might not be. Uh, I, I might have needed to go to the to a thicker jacket. It's kind of a light jacket, not a not a really heavy jacket. I actually probably should have brought the ski mask and gloves. I was gonna say uh, that's, that's too cold. Comes... Not that's not what's not what we do. All right, Jamal just got the job done. He can head back to Kentucky to cover mares tomorrow. Good, because I had Jamal just. Oh, you're all over the the, the, the G man. Yeah, I mean, we're not uh, recap our our Saturday at the at the, the yeah. Demolishes, by the way, is is uh, owned and uh, trained and driven by Bucky Swope's man, Andy Santaramo. We couldn't interview him, Andy, because he's winning races. Too much winning going on. The Santa Ramo. Uh, so yeah, we uh we had, uh, at least I did. Um, I did. on Saturday over at uh, at Tampa, we we were the guests of Fremont uh, and Stable Duel, and uh, it was a great time. Really, it really was. Saw some people, I you know, new people, some new Twitterati. Twitter horse players. Yes, we uh, met a lot of different different people. Saw our friend Hooves, Matt Duggar, and his wife. They were over there. Uh, the man, Bill Tweedledee, was there. 
Big Bill. Gino. Gino. Eddie C. Eddie C. Who had to pick up Gino. Gino's plethora of trucks all broke down, so he had to actually get a ride. <laughs> but he wasn't going to miss. It was a beautiful day too. The, the weather was perfect and really nice crowd. They, they, it was. It's funny because Tampa is. Uh, I haven't been there in man, but at least four or five years, and it 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 looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, it's a nice little track. It's kind of like a miniature Monmouth. If if you've ever been to Monmouth, never been to Tampa, it's like Rockingham Park, the Rock, the Rock. But yeah, Monmouth. It's like it's it is a, a really scaled down kind of Monmouth Park. I ran one horse with the Rock, and I got stiff. Who'd you get the ride? Taylor Hole. If Taylor, if you're listening, I still hate you. I still want to break your leg. Oh, we're, we we were gonna send Chris to Carlo over. It was a horse of Mister Ramsey's, and uh, it was a little stake. It was like a thirty-five thousand dollars stake, but it was a. I remember he was by Gazi. I can't remember his name. Workaholic. I think it was a workaholic. I think it was workaholic. Anyways, we sent him over there because he wanted to try to get a, a stake winner for Gazi, and it was not a great field. He was like four to five. In Kentucky form, and we were in Saratoga, so we sent him over from Saratoga. And I wanted to get, I wanted to say, I think we're going to get Chris DiCarlo to go, to go ride him over there. And somebody talked Mr. Ramsey into riding Taylor Hole, who was a good rider, but I sold him before the race. I did not go. I sent my assistant, and it's probably a good thing. <laughs> because I told him before the race, it was like a six horse turf race. I said, "Listen, man, you're on the best horse. Just, just you know, get a get position early and just swing wide. Just go around them. Don't don't try to get cute and come up the rail or split horses. You know where you can get boxing. Just circle them." And he absolutely, positively did not do that. Did not do that. He rode as though the the, the he had to save every inch of ground every foot of the track including the stretch mm. and he got the source checked about 15 times and he never looked like when he got checked like he was interested in getting checked and then getting him back going and like going around he kept going back inside <laughs> and i was so mad i mean i was just so mad and i remember my assistant tc called me he said <laughs> he goes that jock sucks and he goes and he's about six foot eight too. I had to look up to him. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my only. That was the only horse I ever ran at at, uh, at Rockingham. But it was closed. I think the next year closed. That was <laughs> the last year. Kind of wish I went now. I never ran one of Suffolk. Really? I ran one when I worked for the Chief. I, we we ran in a mascap. A horse named Topsy Ropsy, who was actually ridden by my my ex-wife in the race. And we were the uh <laughs> we were the pace setter for skip away. <laughs> <laughs> Unwittingly, but we were still the pace setter. Skip away, and I think I think formal gold was in there. I think that those two were in the race. I, I can't exactly remember, but it was like nineteen ninety six, maybe. 
I was I I going over there a couple times for for jerkins. We'd ship up like three o'clock in the morning, day of. But uh, yeah, we had to lead to like the far turn, and then that was it. <laughs> then we were done. I was a little taken aback the first time I was on the backside of Suffolk Downs. It wasn't. Uh, it it wasn't. Um, it wasn't Belmont. Anyways, we're going to take another break and uh, we'll be back to uh, wrap it up. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some of the changes coming to the Going in Circles Digest, which is our sort of weekly newsletter that we've put out that covers a, a wide variety of topics. Uh, just lately, we've added some guest columnists. Sid Fernando wrote a great piece for us a couple weeks back, and Julian Brown has really helped us out with some uh, excellent handicapping uh, articles, and we're going to expand on the handicapping, especially uh, you know with Julian's writing, who who used Julian used to write for American Turf Monthly, um, but it's something that uh, we we think people seem to have, be interested in, and. Certainly, any timely topic is, is something that's going to be covered, and uh, we're going to do a lot of uh, our weekly previews, especially for the big days and, and the Triple Crown races. Uh, we also want to put it out there that anyone that has something to say, you can be a guest writer. Just contact me. There's... Of a variety of ways going in circles podcast at gmail.com is probably the easiest and we'll uh, we'll put you out there and we're not exactly uh at the distribution point of the new york times or anything but we do get a lot of click-ons and if you have something to say well we'll help you say it all right guys if you have any suggestions anything you want to hear about anything you want to uh read about Hit me up, going in circles podcast at gmail.com and uh, check it out. Going in circles digest dot substack dot com. Free subscription. Thanks, guys. All right, we're back. You just missed a guy walking by singing loudly. <laughs> Thankfully, we were in break and, uh, we didn't have to expose everyone to that. That was not. Uh, that was not See, it was good timing then. He's still yelling, but I think may have had a few too many, uh, few too many beverages. He maybe bet Sanzeri. He maybe bet the Sanzeri Santorano parlay. <laughs> I mean that that's not something that you would cash very often. So no. But uh, but no, we had a great time. Um, uh, you were there with with your wife Amber and the best handy, crazy, your little daughter. Yeah, who who gave me the hundred dollar winner in the first race that I completely ignored. Well, the jockey was due. Something was up. One for eighty one, man. He was ready. 
Yeah, there was uh, another one later in the uh, that maiden first timer. Oh yeah, Ali. It's actually more haveable than the first race. That first ran really good. That first timer that won the well, yeah. the fifth race. Six, no, it was a stake. Um, yeah, finished really good. Really, I mean, he looked like a, a professional horse. That's uh, our man, Scan Mark, whatever. Is, uh, Scan Man. Scan Man. Scan Man got the 4 a.m. phone call on the horse and told us after the race and then didn't bet it himself. <laughs> Scan Man was on fire today, though. Was he? And yesterday. He was He was at the, the, the Tampa simulcast. Oh, yeah. He was doing it big. Yeah, he's so happy to get out of Chicago. Yeah, I don't blame him. Bitter cold. I couldn't do it. I'm sitting here and it's 61 and I'm freezing. I, don't, I couldn't imagine it being 12. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we got to see our man, Beamy. Jason yes. Beam. The Beam. Did a little dining with him. Oh, yeah. Damaged some 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 grouper. <laughs> man, your man Matt. Matt Matt Sawyer. Matt Tampa's, made it over. Tampa's finest. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good time. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a really good time. You know, it, it just I and I I think I always say this, but it, I can never say it enough. Is like you know when you go to the track, it's just a whole different level of. Experience and great, especially when you meet or meet people that you talk to online. Really cool, you know. And we it was, and the great, yeah. Of course, we got to save the best for last. But the man, the the man of the hour, Sid Fernando and his and his wife, uh, Cynthia, Cynthia, Cynthia Colt. Yes. I was thinking, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. But, I uh, oh, it was great to hang out with Sid. And that was the first time I ever met Sid. What? Yeah. Really? Yep. Yep. He's been ducking me for 20 years. On purpose. I think so. But uh, no, it was great to, to spend some time with Sid and get to talk to him. Got in, he, Sid got in the winner's circle. One of his clients. Mr. Diamond. Uh, Fipke. Tipke, Mr. Roger Atfield, a legend, knocked one off. Had a good price too. Yeah. I think that was the key to your day, wasn't it? That was that that paid for dinner. Not gonna lie. It was it was a good dinner. Spite Cheryl or Cheryl Spite. Yes, that that marries. That's been a productive family. Might be uh spending that money for couple weeks up until pegasus at least and we and we learned a, a new trick from from beamy about getting seated at the restaurant just kind of hover right over the you know, bunch of big guys just kind of hover in front of the uh the stand yeah, and intimidate and they'll, yeah they'll, they'll they'll seat you and that, it actually kind of worked it did it did we got the 25 minute wait it, it, it was about iPhone. it was about five <laughs> he gave out the best iphone tip of all time yeah yeah. I didn't know that. I was I was Saturday years old when I learned that you can press the space bar, hold it, and it 
you can move the cursor. You know how many times I've sat here on my phone trying to to insert something somewhere that I forgot or and I couldn't get the cursor right? Yeah, like, like <sighs> every day. Yeah. And it always goes to like the, the after the word you you're you know right. you're looking to yeah. Yep. Like I said, I think I know about three percent of the capacity of what, what an iPhone can. but uh but I did learn something new. But it was like it was a fun day. The only bad thing was traffic. Traffic sucks in Tampa. <clears throat> yeah, the the two seventy five is no joke when it gets crowded. I hit it. I hit all three. I hit traffic on 75, 275, and I-4. I was three for three. On a Saturday. Saturday morning. There's inexplicable traffic in Tampa. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no accidents. There's no construction. It's just traffic. And and it, and it's, you know, you're, you're driving along with the same group of people, and all of a sudden, you're driving three miles an hour for a few miles, and then all of a sudden... You just pick it back up again. It's just the weirdest thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually surprised I didn't run any any traffic in Orlando. But I didn't. No, but it's it's fun. It's always fun to get to the races and see people that you hadn't seen. And you forget the racing is so much of it now is consumed by us on our phones or at on our, at our houses on uh on iPads or on you know, TVG or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, we almost all, all of us grew up with racing being a social event. And even if you were at an OTB, there was always a group of guys there. Even if someone were just insane people, right? You got like the enjoyment of watching insane people root for horses. And I, I remember saying this at, at the table the other night was the one thing that when I was a kid, going to the track was you, you would see adults acting like you know idiots you know <laughs> <Moron. laughs> right and it's like well you know kids we get yelled at for acting stupid but we go to the track and guys are yelling at tv screens they're yelling at jockeys they're cursing like i learned every curse word i ever knew at the racetrack um but uh <laughs> you know it's a social it's a social event it really is and yeah, like we could sit home and, and bet on our iPads and, and, and be fine. But when you do get back to that social situation, that social setting, it's uh, it's fun. So, you know, that's it shouldn't ha- have to only be uh, on big days, right? It shouldn't only be Pegasus or Florida Derby or Travers or uh, Santa Anita Derby or, you know, I mean, you can have fun at the races on a on a regular Saturday. I mean, you got fun at the races any day for winning, but uh, that's one of the. I mean, listen, one of the things we did in this industry was was make it convenient for people not to come to the races, and now we pay for that a little bit, and that uh, people are 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 taking advantage of not having to come and and, and staying away and. You know, during the pandemic, it was great we had it, but now it'd, it'd be nice to see, um, you know, a, a little bit stronger on-track presence. But it is, you know, it's not. Some places are gonna. I mean, Keeneland, of course, you're always gonna have great crowds. Um, Del Mar, Saratoga. It's just. Uh, I would say Arlington, but well, that's not gonna happen anymore. 
Yeah, you couldn't tell the other day, though. I mean, they had a really nice crowd at, at Tampa on Saturday. Really, really nice crowd. Yeah, I had to wait. I had to wait like ten people in line to get my hot dogs. Oh the, yeah, the, the the bartender was was definitely busy all day. Yeah, but it, but it's, it's 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 cool to see a track like that again. So so I mean, I didn't cash any tickets, but uh, I didn't even I didn't play that much. I didn't. I mean, it wasn't. I yeah. didn't love anybody. So what happens when I go? You know, when we have days and I go to the track, it's usually more meet and greets, hanging out, bet a little bit, and I did all right. I hit. I had the early pick four. Would have hit the early pick five for it, not the hundred dollar horse. Uh, Cheryl Spite basically made my day and. That was it. But I'm okay with that. I'll do that every every weekend if you let me. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I wanted to tell everybody, if you hadn't seen it online, uh, either on Twitter or, or Facebook, you can order official Going in Circles gear from Fantac, F-A-N-T-A-C-K.com. Uh, they have a bunch of jockeys signed up. And it's kind of, you know, interesting concept uh, having different uh, different logos and, and T-shirts and hats and stuff for a bunch of jockeys. And uh, they have stuff for going in circles as well. So uh, check it out. Uh, Fan-tac.com. And, uh, you know, see if you like something. I also but, got a DM earlier today uh someone asking me did you ever select a winner of the name the cone contest no so the cone has no name cone disappeared cone yes they took the cone so figure why not you know i guess we could still name it even though it's now probably in the parking lot somewhere cone has been uh Cone has been abducted. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> they took they took the cone away. They took our cone, but uh, now we haven't really. I didn't think so because I would have known. So the the person that DM me will, will definitely listen. To the Oh man, you're breaking up again. Again? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Why you do that? I don't know. I have full. I have full four boats here. All the bars, bro. I'm barred. Barred up. I think it might be Gabe up up on the roof is putting the blocker out. Keep it down. We don't need. We don't need the race call. He wants us to to pay attention to the race. We'd pay attention more, Gabe, if Sanzarian San Ramo weren't winning all the races. That's true because our pockets would be lined up. Bucky Swope is having a conniption. All time greatest <laughs> night. <laughs> yes, they're they're in the uh, the process of the ninth race is now coming to the. The final turn, 
Who's in front? That is the Gaddy's Wild Child. Oh, six, right? Yeah. No, Wild and Crazy Guys on the lead. Four. Wally. Wally World. We don't want him. He's, uh... Six a second. He's gonna make it, I think. Ooh, no, maybe not. No, he got beat. Celebrity Pegasus. Two? Yeah. Who's third? Dave Miller, whoever he was dropping. Purple. The Purple Man. Five. Yeah, I brought I brought Mike Lerman. He, the trainer. He'd never been to the harness truck. Brought him last week. Got to see. I said, "Yeah, that guy right there. He won fourteen thousand races. That guy right there. He won eleven thousand races." <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "What about the rest of them?" Eh, not that many. Doesn't matter. Plano. He won a lot of races because he's like ninety. Plano's got. A, he's got a little bit of a Ric Flair look to him. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, yeah. He's he's tell you what, he looks good for his he was around like <laughs> in the heyday of Pompano. I mean, it's really kind of sad that they're gonna be closing this place. It's I know it's, it's I, only... I beat the gate put up, you know, three months left, man. It's only got three months to go. It's just it's just another one of those occasions where you just have a hard time believing like what's going on and and at one time in, in South Florida, you had, um, well, Calder kind of replaced Tropical Park. So I don't believe they, I, I don't honestly know. I wasn't, not that old. Um, if they ran at the same time or not. But you had Tropical Park, you had Calder, you had Hialeah, you had Gulfstream, you had Pompano. And after April, you're going to just have Gulfstream. That's it. That's it. I guess it wouldn't be so bad if Hylia wasn't still there. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, listen, you start adding, adding dog tracks to that, right? Yeah. Flagler, Hollywood, West Take Palm up. Beach. Um, <laughs> I think there was, yeah, there was, uh, it's just so many. Mel. Dania highlights, and they're all gone. I mean, all of them. I mean, and they're still kind of, you know, there, but they're not, they're not what they were. And uh, that's, it's kind of uh, sobering, I guess, in, in one way. And I guess it's way too late to say it's a warning to the industry. I mean, it's like way, 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 way past that stage. Right? It's like we're 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 locked up in chains, heading to prison. Probably, <laughs> it's probably not the time to say, "Hey, you know, you better stay straight." Uh, I don't think I don't think um, I don't think it's really set in here. And I think that's kind of the same vibe I got at, at Arlington this summer was that everybody kind of knew, but there was, it had always been a part of your life, right? 
Arlington for those people in Illinois, Arlington for the most of them. I mean, all, pretty much for all of them. Arlington had always been a part of their lives if they were in Chicago racing. And for people down here at Pompano, like a lot of the, a lot of the people here aren't people that were here 25 years ago. Some of them are like Rick Plano, but um, most of them aren't. But uh, there's a lot of people who have been here for a long time and spent winters here. And I don't think it's really hit that it's not going to be here anymore. It's just, it's always been. And um, I think that's, that's really something that's, that's hard to, uh, it just re- the reality of the situation, but it's just a hard, it's a hard thing to, to accept. Yeah. I mean, it's, people still in disbelief about Arlington. Well, they're playing a football game tonight where Hollywood Park was. Ugh. I mean, that's that's not. I mean, and at some point in the not so distant future, we'll probably be saying the same about Aqueduct. I mean, you see the handwriting on the wall with all these capital improvement projects at Belmont. They're probably going to wind up racing there. Uh, on a year-round basis at some point. I mean, that's not, like, the world's biggest secret, right? So, um, the consolidation is just... Uh, and, and, and if you think it's good, I just don't have any other... I just don't understand your logic. Um, because shrinking generally leads... To more shrinking and shrinkage is not yeah, good. Yeah, shrinkage is not good. That's <laughs> <laughs> George, especially cold weather like this. That's <laughs> George. But um, no, I don't. We we cannot contract our way to to growth. <laughs> you know, we can't. We can't do it. And um, business getting smaller that is not a good thing. It's just not a good thing. And. It's a philosophical argument, really, because every every circuit, every track, I mean, there's so many different facets and uh, to to why they're open or why they're not open or why they're successful, why they're not successful. But uh, it's it's just a, a tough a tough thing to see, and uh, and I think it goes back to what we talked about early in the show: is that you got to get back to the basics. You know, the two the two um groups that you just absolutely have to have more of in order to grow this business is uh people buy, people <laughs> betting on the races and people owning the horses to bet on if you don't have those two you, if you don't increase the numbers if you don't increase those numbers i don't see how you can grow the business if your business isn't growing it's shrinking it's just the way it is. It's just life. The amount of you see the amount of money bet in New Jersey. New York is online now. It'll be interesting to see what kind of effect New York being online with sports wagering has on New Jersey. If if and certainly it'll have some effect, right? They'll they'll funnel some money that's coming across the bridge um, from New York to New Jersey. But I, I don't know. I don't even know how to predict it, you know, how much they're going to bet in New York. It seems like a tremendous amount 
Um, there was a story the other day from a source I didn't really recognize, but it seemed to be a credible source. And it was kind of more of an interesting piece more than anything that there was some incredible amount of bets. It was it actually came from a company that uh, is a geolocator. Essentially, uh, they, they're the kind of pe- they're the, they're the company that that gets hired that prevents when uh, you know if you if you're in uh, a state that doesn't have gambling per se like North Carolina or or one of those those backward states, um, you know they prevent you from betting from those states. They have the technology to see where the the phone call or the bet is originating from, and but they said there was some unbelievable number of bets that were originating from midtown manhattan huh. so it's yeah right off the bat like as soon as it went live so so it'll be interesting but that's competition it's competition and it's uh you know it's a fact of life that we have to deal with in horse racing but it's i'm not nearly as cheery about it for the racing business as, as some others are because uh, you know, kind of because you look at our, our PPs as an industry and hmm. we, we don't do a lot of things right. It's just the truth. And there's a lot of reasons for that fragmentation. Uh, we, we, you know, we cannibalize e- each other in a lot of ways. Racetracks should be working together. Horseman's groups should be working together. Uh, I mean, this is, this is kind of a, um, you know, but it's a, an existential threat to the to the you know to the business the the ability for horse racing to survive in this country, and we should be pooling resources, not uh, not trying to uh, to to steal. And you know, it's easy for me to say practicality it makes it difficult but but it is is the truth and that you know working together would be better if we if we could just get started by getting the stake schedules mapped out better um we we should eliminate some stakes and I, i'm just that's just the way it is we should eliminate some stakes there's too many of them there's too many stakes for too small of a population and and when we get races like today's race at Santa Anita, which was, it should not be a graded race. I don't know what the formula is exactly, but when you have a race and it only gets five, and, and of the five, only one is an actual state course, then that, that race's grading has to be in jeopardy. California racing should lose about... Pretty good size of their of their grades, and I'm sorry, but that's just the reality of the situation. They run a lot of races out there that are way overgraded, and that doesn't mean there's not good horses out there. There are really good horses out there, but there's just not enough of them. And people put horses on airplanes these days, like. You know, like the old days, they might have shipped two hours on a van. Now they'll ship across the country on a plane. It's not a novel concept. Horses are shipped all over the country every single week. And 
if we really want to make our top end stronger, we should pare down the safe schedule and have better races. And well, it seems like at this point, it's almost like uh, everybody gets a ribbon sort of thing. And it shouldn't be that way. You know, like everybody gets a trophy kind of deal with the stakes. And, and like you said, you know, not everybody deserves to be a stakes winner. Well, especially the graded stakes. Right. Yes. I mean, we're running the same amount of graded stakes or, uh, approximately as we did when, when the horse population was 50% bigger. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, how many races do we have to... I, I could go back and, and, and circle... I can think of a bunch of races I could circle in my head that didn't really... You know, that just a lot of times was because there was too many other stakes options other places. So instead of consolidating and getting um, a couple good races, we had three races and then a, a listed stake somewhere to make it a fourth. And with all the strength in, in a certain, you know, people's barns, it just exasperates that problem because they're going to split their horses up. Not not run against each other, and a lot of these guys have a lot of good horses for the same class, and it's not in their best interest to run against each other. It isn't, but that's why you have to eliminate some of these options so we don't get these these four or five horse fields and where they're scraping uh, the the bottom of the barrel to hustle a horse or two in there that really don't belong at all. And you know you get these three to five shots, two to five shots, one to nine shots. It's not the end of the world, but it would be it would make for better stake races. So I'm sure all the people in California you'd be picking on us again, but <laughs> stop picking on them, man. Defend that race today. Nah, they can't. There's no way. So so anyways. That's today's show. Uh, and Beamy, I'm sorry we, we we didn't mention it till later in the show. We should have mentioned it right off the bat, right from from the jump. This way, he doesn't have to filter through everything to to see what we said about him. Well, we always talk good about him. Yeah, we don't say bad anything about Beam. Our guy, Gabe, did take a shot at at, at Pete Aiello today, though. He's he's. No, he's he's a little offended that that uh, you know Pete hasn't come over here and you know made this match race that Pete wants to have make it happen. He's got to come over and you know got to make it happen. Make it happen, Captain. Beanie is has agreed to announce the race. So, I mean, we we gotta. We got a, an announcer for the the race of the announcers. What else do we need, right? Yeah, I mean, other than us getting our amateur license and doing it to make it a four horse race, <laughs> that's the best thing. Uh... I can't. We can't even get two, let alone four. True. 
But announce your Pete, man. You got to come out. It's Yeah, stop ducking my mans. Stop hanging out in the suites over at uh, the Panthers games. We know what goes on in those suites over at the oh, Panthers yeah. games. <laughs> come on now. Call Pete Kodak Black Jr. Yeah, I brought a... I went to the Dolphins game with him. I brought him over there, and we <laughs> we didn't have any of that kind of action going on. But we weren't in the suites, though. We were in the we were in the nosebleeds. Yeah, I don't think he's recovered from that beatdown, shellacking that the Panthers took that day. I'll tell you what, though, Pete's a dedicated fan. He is. He, he is. He, he was cursing out like position coaches by name. I mean, he was, he, he was, oh, this, this Smith guy we got as our wide receivers coach. He's got to go, too. He's no good. I mean, that's dedication when you can actually not just curse the head coach. I mean, everybody curses Mike McCarthy or Andy Reid when they finally blow the game. But nobody, you know, is, is, is knocking like the middle linebackers coach, Pete Ilo. Every he's, time. He's got them guys on notice. On notice, man. If the Panthers are ever good, he's going to be unbelievable. I'm not talking about the Florida Panthers either. <laughs> he's he's going to be tough to handle. Though I gotta say, that doesn't look like it's going to be a uh, an I- imminent happening. No, right. Uh, no, it's uh, the the Gabe Pete match race. It, it it's just it's, it's something that has to it, has to happen. Maybe the finishing touches at the pump. Ooh, closing night. I don't know about closing night. There might be too many festivities, but uh, you know, on most tracks, the close. You know, the grandstand here is pretty much condemned. I don't think there's much left here. Like most racetracks, they close right. You you go do some uh, some looting at the uh... <laughs> take a chair. Take yeah, you could, you could take some signs and chairs and shit. But the pomp really doesn't have anything to take. <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> you take the tote board, <laughs> back up the pickup and. Yeah, there's there's not much here left, and you know, like I said, that old grandstand, that thing's kind of haunted, man. Kinda, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely haunted. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna, it's gotta happen. That 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 race is just uh, for the good of for the good of horse racing, for the good of society. That's what I'm saying. Whose whose colors do you think that they're gonna use? Pretty sure Gabe would be in Dave Miller purple. I think he'll be go purple. Pete's gonna have to go maybe. Oh. Uh, uh, I'm standing here by the rail. Wally's horse almost going over the outside rail. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he almost joined us for a little cameo. 
Isn't he supposed to be on the on the rail there on the yeah. one? Well, he almost went over the outside rail. So I see that now. I'm I'm looking at it. Yeah, he he took a hard left to get <laughs> over to the rail. Pete may have to wear like I don't know if Santa Ramos kind of short. Yeah, he's too small. He's bulky, but he's short. You might have. There's got to be some. Well, there's a couple big big boys that are trainers, so he may have to go to the trainer. So advantage, Gabe. Yeah, Wally went to the lead with the horse that went tried to go to the rail. Of course he did because he... <laughs> well, now he's sitting in the tool. So yeah, that's kind of like we got to kind of get we got we got to make this a reality. We gotta like have to have to have to. Um. Yeah, only three months ago. It's kind of depressing. Very depressing. But we got what the Lecompte coming up this weekend. Pegasus. Yeah, we we got the 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 big tournament we're in. What's the what's the dude's name? Oh, uh, was it the the hum, El Ombre? Ombre, Ombre. Yeah, we're in the Ombre's tournament, which is was uh, this weekend's the opening leg. Check out El Ombre at uh, El Ombre on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, or well, I guess you could just you could find him. He's on there. I think he's on Facebook too. Yeah, fifty bucks, fifty dollars make it holler. And uh, seemed like he had a pretty decent lineup. Yeah, quite a few guys. So. We'll try not to embarrass him too badly. You know, leave leave some for the rest of everybody else. Yeah, this weekend's race is a uh, it's kind of a contentious race, I think, to Lecomp already. I just kind of glanced at it. They draw so early over there, um, which a lot of people like. I mean, I guess it's better to have it to draw early than than, than real late, but. But uh, it looks it looks kind of you know like a I haven't really got too far in depth, but pretty good race. So so we'll check that out. But hey, again, Peg- yeah, everybody check Pegasus out coming up, man. Pegasus, yeah, but that's next week's deal. Yeah, but that's 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 large, man. The Pegasus is still looming as a very short field, as we've been. Suggesting for a couple of weeks. Oh, have you seen the revised entry list? Yeah. A horse that just ran like two days ago. Sprinting. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're going to get more than five. Really? Yeah. I was thinking I, seven or eight. I'm thinking like... I think the only other confirmed horse is Sir Winston. Yes, those three. That's it. And and, and Maker was considering endorsed. Um, who I guess with his running style, I mean, he's just gonna lag, right? I mean, he's a close. He's a closing sprinter more than anything. But clearly, there's going to be 
sprint type fractions being set, or you would you would assume with I can't life is good and 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 uh, Nick's go, you know, going head and head, or, or some version of head and head, and Sir Winston's sitting in the clunk up spot. I mean, yeah, I have some sort of decent closer that you got to give him a shot in a race like that with that much money on the line. And you know, the the, the really key thing is that it doesn't cost you anything to run. Right. It's an invitational. A lot of people don't realize that to run in some of these races, the bigger races, it costs a lot of money to uh, for entry fees and, and starting fees and uh, so so it's this is a free roll. I mean, you don't have to pay anything because it's an invitational. So there's no entry fees, there's no starting fees, so it doesn't really cost you anything. But you know, with with mandolin and um uh, Midnight Bourbon scheduled to race next week or this weekend, excuse me, at the fairgrounds, squaring off in that race. Um, it it doesn't leave a lot of last year's three year olds that are turning four to be uh, potentials for the race, with uh, you know kind of some defections. One un- unfortunate uh, ultimate demise, and some of the other horses, you know, Ron Bauer getting hurt and retiring. The, the the returning horses have gotten a little bit thin, and the older horses really weren't very good last year, anyways. So most of them, uh, you know, or I shouldn't say most of them, but a lot of them have gone off the stud, and there's just not anybody left. There really isn't. You know, there's just not a whole lot left. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be a good race no matter what the, they line up in there because you it's got- almost immaterial. I mean, it, it's going to suck for the betting if they only have, you know, four or five in there. Uh, but from a race standpoint, a sporting standpoint, it really is one of the ultimate racing um, Match- you know, matchups in that you have, you know the the older horse versus the three year old turning four with the same style, that same you know run to the front style. I mean, it's not as though they they employ any other type of style of racing. It's not like, well, we have speed, but. It's tactical speed, and we only use it when we want. I mean, both horses are kind of dead front runners, so that's what I'm saying. Like, how how can you not get convinced somebody be like, you know what, you could pick up these pieces? People just don't think that way anymore. It seems that seems like an easy sell to me. It's like, yo, you see these horses just flat out front runners. You've got a stalker slash closer. You can get some of this money. Yep, it's that's it's a it's a it's the reality of the situation. You, you you know you'd almost look at the race and say, well, those two are so much better than everybody else. But so so then it's like, well, I got to beat Sir Winston for for three hundred thousand. I'll take my shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sign me up. Sir Winston's not a bad horse, but he's he's no one to fear. Well, not and only I, that, and I said I think third place is three hundred grand. So. Like, sign me up. Say, well, I can't beat Nick's goal. I can't beat 
Um, life is good, but I can beat Sir Winston. Well, even, not a lot of. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest in even trying. So even life is good and Nick's goal are not unbeatable. No, they're not unbeatable, but it's 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 very difficult for people with these horses that they're inviting now to say with a straight face, "Yeah, w- w- we can win." Mr. Rice just said the other race sucked. Uh, I have to concur. (laughs) As he jogged by. But, uh, yeah, we heard that loud and clear. Um, I don't, I I just don't think that people look at the race and say, you know, I I, I don't want to, I just don't want to go over there and get embarrassed, maybe too. Get drummed. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no shame in that. I mean, I I know it's blasphemy, but they almost should just say, you know what? Screw it. Match race. (laughs) (laughs) Match race. Winner take all. (laughs) How about that? How about if you made it a winner take all? Oh, that'd be insane. Uh, That would be a story, man. That would be a story. <laughs> Winner take all three million bucks. And have it in like the, the winner circle and like a right cash, like the like the poker event. Yeah, like a like a big suitcase full of cash. Is it too late? Is it too late to do it's that? Late. It's not. It's never too late. Just give Sir Winston's connections like twenty grand to just Enter in, in the the household instead. <laughs> Go away, please. We want to have a match race. Winner take all. That would be <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> we say this is like as though it might happen. Of course, it's a a trillion to one that that that, that would actually ever happen. But crazier but, thing. Yeah. But, but that would be that that would be crazy. That would be awesome, actually. And I know people are terrified of match races, but. Just sticking Mr. Or Sir Winston and Chess Chief out there when those two are going head and head is not going to change things. Chess Chief. He's actually racing at uh, the fairgrounds this weekend, too. He loves the fairgrounds. That's a horse for a course, man. You don't see too many horses that just absolutely love. Like, Frenzy Fire loves Belmont. And he can win other places, but Chess Chief doesn't even look like he can win other places. His form is so much better at the fairgrounds than everywhere else. Feeding them beignets. And beignets. Frozen daiquiris. Hurricanes. The first time I went to New Orleans, I said, hold on. You mean I have places, drive throughs where you get alcoholic beverages? (laughs) (laughs) Frozen daiquiris? Yeah. Uh, This place is different, man. It's definitely different. But I like New Orleans. It was fun. I mean, the backside was a little tough there. I remember the trouble we had was uh, we didn't have enough Louisiana breads. You didn't have a lot of Louisiana breads. You didn't do a lot of running. I had exactly uh, zero Louisiana breads. But <laughs> but New Orleans is a fun town, and it does get cold over there too. Yeah, I was gonna, it gets brisk. You get that damp cold. But uh, 
Man, we didn't lose any weight over it. I can tell you that much. <laughs> uh, so, like to wrap things up here, next week we'll be very, I guess, it's focused. The, uh, the Pegasus Phillies turf, the initial running, it looks like it's going to be a pretty. pretty- Race, yeah, pretty contentious race. The Pegasus turf, I mean, there's not a lot of good turf horses in well, this that's country for a better, uh, better betting race, I think, because it's you know, Colonel, Colonel Liam doesn't seem like, uh, I don't know, he just lost form last year, and it, to me, it's gonna be hard for him to come back. It's a tough race to come back in. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a big field. and uh, It'll be a competitive race. There's not a lot of star power in there, but like we said, there wasn't much star power in America turf race in the last few years. No. Which is a little odd considering how many imports we get over here. You'd think that, uh, I mean, domestic spending, you know, was, was good last year, but he was good for like three races. I yep. mean, let's, let's face it, he didn't exactly have a huge campaign. You know, then he got hurt. So, um, he should be back this, this, this year sometime, but, but uh, no, next week will be a very Pegasus Central. Should be a good card. Other, oh, other, yeah. It's always. always It's always a good card, so. Maybe we'll get another Hidden Scroll performance early in the card. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how many races they put uh, in that middle track so people could freak out. <laughs> <laughs> freak out about that, but yep. Well, uh, this week we got the the contest, El Hombre's contest, and really nice card uh, at the fairgrounds on on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> A long card. <laughs> <laughs> A marathon card. Starting the morning and ending at night, uh, but they, they do last year they have like like sixteen something on one of those like days. That. It's like fifteen, I think. Maybe they had sixteen one of them, but it's it's a lot. But uh, good card, and uh, you know, we'll see what the weather holds for the rest of the country. Yeah, run it at night, mix it up. So. Got lights. All right, my man. Yeah, go get some hot chocolate, man. Gonna have to, gonna have to get some, some, some mittens. Oof. No thanks. Gotta wear something, man. Freezing. I gotta warm up. So everybody, thanks for listening. As usual, I'm sorry for the audio issues on uh, on Barry's phone. I'm not sure why we were having them periodically because now it sounds perfect but uh i blame we blame gabe yep gabe's fault who will blame pete old so everybody uh stay stay warm wherever you're at and uh we'll talk to you guys next week